Last week we started with a series called At the Well. I mean, I was out of my skin excited this week <laughs> as God starts just breaking open the scriptures with us, which is phenomenal. And so if you've missed last week, um, the sermon is on our, um, uh, we've got CastBox uh, that we do. It's a, it's a podcast little app um, for Android and Apple. So if you need that, I'll send you the link. So last week, let me just give you a quick recap for those of you who haven't been here last week. About 18 months ago, I was sitting in a worship service in an evening and God started showing me a vision of a well in a desert. I walked up to the well, I was looking down the well and I could see that the well is dry. It was a dry well. And I asked the Lord, Lord, what is this? And I could hear God speak to me very clearly and said, Henny, I want you to dig the well deeper. And over the last couple of months, well, the last 18 months since then, God started to reveal to me there was a significant correlation between the well and our intimacy with Him. A well and our intimacy with Him. I mean, the Bible speaks so many times about spring up a well, let streams of living water flow from within you. And it's all about a well that you find God in a place of intimacy with Him. You see, when the land are in drought, like Stellenbosch and the Western Cape was last year, about 18 months ago, we were in severe drought. Isn't it amazing? Well, I mean, I saw on the paper this week that this week, last year, Tiervatersklof was, or January this year, was at 17%. This week, it hit over 72%. Isn't that amazing? But when it kind of a land or an area goes through a drought, the water level, the underground water level, decrease. So some wells that's not dug very deep actually run dry. I spoke to an environmentalist um, in that time and he said to me, Henny, usually they bored for water and they hit water within 30 to 50 meters, within between that. Nowadays, he said, well then, they had to go to 120 meters to hit the water source. So that the water level literally dropped. And the Lord said to every time I hear these things, God says, Henny, you need to broaden the depth of your well so that you can hit water. You need that water from me. You need that living water. You see, when a well is dug deeper, yes, you get water again. But this is it. When the water level stabilizes like it's stabilizing now, the capacity of your well is greater. The capacity of your well is greater. So what does it mean? You can give more. You can have more. You can experience more of God. And God says within the dry, dry moments in your life, you need to dig that well deeper so that you can have more of Him. So God said, I want your, a greater capacity in your life, Henny. Firstly, so that you can have more of me in a place of intimacy. And secondly, so that you can give more. To those around you. You see, God didn't call us just to have. It's called spiritual obesity. I just want more for me. No, no, God says, I want you to, to receive and to give. Receive and give. There's a difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea only ever run in. They have no place where the water runs out. It only takes, so it's dead. But the Sea of Galilee have an in and an outflow. There's a, there's a healthy flow of water. And God needs a healthy flow of water in your life. The more He gives you, the more we need to give out. 
So now when we look through the Bible, we see so many significant, amazing things in the Bible about a well, or happenings at a well. See, wells were, were every family in that time, in biblical times, most precious possession. Think about what's your most precious possession in life? Theirs were their well. Why? Because it gave life to them. That was the, the source of life that they, without the well in a desert area where the Israelites or, or wherever the, 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 the biblical times the people lived in, they needed water. Very They needed water. You see, wells were, were their most precious possession and it signified wealth. So what signifies wealth in your life? For them, to own a well signified that they are wealthy. See, wealth gave, the, the wells in their life gave life to their animals. It helped them farm. It kept them hygienically clean. There's so many things. Wells were landmarks that plotted the way to go for travelers. Isn't God's presence like a landmark in your life? Transformational moments in your life is like a landmark. Many of the, many of the amazing heroes in the Bible met their wives at the well. They met their wives at the well, and the well was a place of courtship, where the young men waited for the young woman to come and draw water. Now I can go on and on and on and on about amazing facts about a well, but if you want to know, go and listen to the first sermon. <laughs> and go and listen to, to how amazing the significant and the prophetic significance of a well was in that times, but not just that times, today, in the spirit. Now today I want to look at our second story, and we're going to look at a bunch of stories through our series of, of a well, and what God did at a well. Now today we're going to look at Genesis 29 of a man called Jacob. Now let's read this together, are you ready? It says, Then Jacob hurried on, finally arriving in the land of the east. He saw a well in the distance. Three flocks of sheep and goats lay in an open field beside it, waiting to be watered. But a heavy stone covered the mouth of, a well, of the well. It was the custom um, there to wait for all the flock to arrive before they removed the stone and watered the animals. Afterwards, the stone would be placed back over the mouth of the well. Jacob went over to the shepherds and asked, Where are you from, my friends? We are from Haran, they answered. Do you know, know a man named, named Laban, the grand, grandson of Nahor? He asked, yes, we do, he replied. Is he doing well, Jacob asked. Yes, he is, they answered. Look, here comes his daughter Rachel with a flock now. Jacob said, look, it is still daylight, too early to round up the animals. Why don't you water the sheep and the goats so that they can go back out to pasture? They said, we can't water the animals until all the flocks have arrived. They replied, then the shepherds, only then when everyone's there, the shepherds move the stone from the mouth of the well and we water all the sheep and goats. Now let's just stop there. You see, we pick up the story of Jacob who left his father's house after he cheated his brother out of the blessing from his father. And his, father, his brother Esau wanted to kill him. So his father said, why don't you just maybe go to my brother Laban and maybe find a wife there which is part of who we are I don't want you to to marry a woman that's not from our belief and what we what we believe in 
So he came looking for a wife at his father's brother. Now here, Jacob, the first thing he saw, he saw a well. Now what did I say? A well is a landmark. And he saw, oh, a well. There must be life. Let's go. And he spoke to the shepherds. Now Jacob saw the well and immediately he asked them, whose well is this? Now just to, to, to give you a reminder, when I speak about a well in this series, I want you to remember that, that we are looking, we're looking at a prophetic picture about our intimacy with the Father. So every time I speak about the well, I refer to your place of intimacy with God. Our place of intimacy with God. And from that perspective, I want to open something in the Word today with you. So I want to look at two things. I want to look at two very specific things that stood out in the Scripture. And I want to, uh, maybe I can go back quickly. Firstly, let's read it together. He says, Then Jacob hurried on, finally arriving. He saw well in the distance three flocks of sheep and goat laid in an open field, waiting to be watered. Number one, I want to look at, sometimes we need to wait for the water. They waited for the water. How many of you like waiting for something? <laughs> My hand is not up. <laughs> I don't like waiting. But, but let, me, let, me, let me take it one step further. How about when you are very thirsty? You've run five kilometers as hard as you can and you didn't have water with you and you get home and you really, really, really want water. How, how many of you like waiting then for the water? I mean, it's even worse. It's like, I don't want what I, do, I want it now. So suddenly waiting becomes a punishment whenever we're thirsty. But there is nothing that will refine our faith more than waiting on God when we're facing something tough in our lives. Just think, where do your faith and your trust in God grows the most? In a challenge. In a tough moment. When it's dry, your faith grows the most because you have to trust God in that moment. I always say you either grow in your faith or you lose your faith. And that's why we pray that when we go through the toughest times in our lives that we rather grow towards God than from Him. Now, it's almost like refining, refining gold. You have to put gold through a tremendous heat for the impurities to come up so that it can be scraped off. And that's how we are refined in the toughest, warmest, hottest, trail-by-fire moments. Do you know that when gold is in its purest form, it is transparent? You can literally see your reflection in it. So when God refines us to such a degree, people can see Jesus right through us. See, that's what we need to run after in a place of, of really tough suffering, desert. Lord, it's challenging, but Lord, thank you for refining my character in this. I will make sure that when people look at me, they will see Jesus in it. That my character will become so strong whenever it's the toughest of tough. So when God purifies, we become transparent so that people see God through us. We all, fails, we all face trials or desert moments in our lives. I don't know if you've never done that, then you haven't lived. <laughs> we all face desert moments. We all face trials in our lives. But how we go through it all depends on the place of your intimacy with God. 
How you go through that desert moment all depends on your place of intimacy. Where is it? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Where is my place of intimacy with the Father? Because whenever I hit that desert moment, and oh yes, you're going to hit it. The storms are coming. God didn't give us a storm-free life. He gave us a storm-proof life. You see, David was a man who knew God from a place of intimacy. Just read the Psalms. You'll see a man intimately in love with the Father. Intimately in love with the Father. He spent many hours alone in the field, tending sheep by himself. But listen to what he says in Psalm 25. I love this. He says, Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. How many of you have waited in a very tough moment, waited on God? And you feel, Lord, I'm so ashamed of this moment. I'm so ashamed. And David says, right in that place of intimacy, if you wait on God, you will not be ashamed. You will not be ashamed. He said, let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God. You are the God of my salvation. And then he says, on you, I'll wait all day. On you, I can wait all day. I can just sit and wait on you, Father. Because I need that living water that will nourish me in these tough moments. I need that. See, to really get to know God requires discipline in waiting upon Him. We need to wait upon Him. We are in a rushed world that when you rush from one end to the other end, we just this rat race, this side, that side. But sometimes you just need to stop in your devotional. I'm saying, I'm just going to sit down here. I'm going to wait upon you, Father. I'm just going to be quiet and wait upon you because I want to get more of you. I said last week that when we speak about intimacy with God and in the culture we're living in today, when I say the word intimacy, people think one thing and that's sex. But if you go and look at the definition of intimacy, the first thing that comes up is familiarity and friendship. And then, yes, there's a sexual degree on that as well. It's part of the definition. But the first thing it says, are you familiar with the Father? Do you have a deep friendship with Him? That's the place where you find intimacy with Him. And when you open your word in the morning, when you pray and say, Lord, Father, my friend, I'm here for you. I just want to spend time with you. I just want to lay here in your presence. See, wait in a context, in this context, in this scripture, the wait all day, that wait means, in a Greek means, to bind together. <laughs> to bind together. David says, on you, I want just to bind myself together with you, God. David says that when he waits on God, he binds his soul together with God. He's not talking about his spirit, because our spirit is always connected to the Father. But our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's a place where sin comes. When temptation comes and he says that I am binding my soul, Rehalem, to you, Father. I want to be in that place of intimacy with you as a friend. Bind, come bind me together with you, Lord. You see, in that times where we learn, it's in that times where we learn to quiet our hearts and focus our minds on Him. When was the last time you just quieted your heart? Just focused on Him. 
Because we feel we need to pray and now I'm going to pray for 10 minutes and I'm going to pray and I'm going to walk up and I'm going to read the word and I'm going to do confessions and sometimes it's great all those things but sometimes you just need to put some music on and just sit in that, in that place of Lord I'm here to encounter you. I'm just going to wait on you Father. I'm going to wait on you. Come and speak to me. Look what Isaiah says. For those who wait on the Lord some scriptures or some translation says those who trust in the Lord. But he says those who wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and will not faint. Sounds like someone without an issue. You see, Isaiah said that when we feel we have no more strength. How many of you have been there? Lord, I have nothing left. I'm offended to the core. People have hurt me. Lord, I don't know where I'm going to pay what this month. Lord, I don't know how my kids are going to eat. I don't know this. I don't know that. And Isaiah came and he prophesied. He said, those who wait upon the Lord, those who find him in a place of intimacy, will not see the issues anymore, but they will look at the Father who's, who's the source of everything. See, God will renew our strength in a place of intimacy because we are willing to wait. It's not works, but because I'm willing to wait on that. Just wait on you, Father. Look at the scripture in Lamentations. When have you last read Lamentations? It said, the Lord is good to those who wait on Him. To the soul who seeks Him, it is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? See, the weight in this, Jeremiah speaks about. Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. And the weight he's speaking about is to wait, hopefully, with an expectation. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? To wait, hopefully, with an expectation as Lord. See, when we wait for that living water in a place of devotion, in a place of prayer in our lives, we need to be expectant. What are you expecting God to do? You see, to wait is not a passive thing that we're going to lie on a couch and, yeah, I'm lying. Yes, Lord, I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. Lord, no. It is something active you push into. Lord, I'm waiting on you, Lord. And while I'm waiting, I'm going to pray. While I'm waiting, I'm going to confess all the life that you have over my life, over my situations. I know you every step of the way. You're with me, Lord. And in this place of intimacy, I'm going to wait for you to dig that well deeper. So that the water can nourish me even more. Number two, you spoke about a stone that was lying over the well that kept the water from flowing through the well. Now this well was a communion well used by everyone. This was not just a personal well of someone. This was a communion well dug by a rich man that says we need a communion well to serve everyone here. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing when we create a church where people can experience intimacy with the Father? Where we can have a communal well where we people come in places of worship and experience transformation, experience the life-giving power of God. But this was a communal well in that area. That's why they had to wait for all the flock and the sheep and the goats and the shepherds to come so that before they can water them. Now, as I said last week, every well was covered. It had a cover on. 
And I know it's like, do you cover your intimacy with the Father? Do you keep it close to you? Or do you let anything into your life that, that can water down the intimacy of your life? Now, this well was covered as well. And the reason for this well, it was right in the desert. And the desert sands blow, blow all around. And for the, to, to, to keep the sand from filling up the well, they had a cover. And it was a heavy stone. But looking at this well, it had such a prophetic significance for us. See, with this well, they had to roll the stone away to receive the water. They have to roll that stone away to receive that source of life. They had to do something. They had to work at it. Okay, now I have to work again. Okay, let's just roll the stone. Well, maybe I can ask you today, what stones are keeping you away from God? What stones in your life is, is keeping you from that place of intimacy? When I started reading this, oof, I had to make a couple of notes for myself. Maybe there's normal sin in your life. Maybe there's offense in your life. Maybe there's pain. And because of that pain, you've rolled the stone over the place of intimacy in your life. Maybe there's unbelief. And like, Lord, I, just, I believe everything except that 20% of the gospel. I don't believe that. Maybe there's some guilt or condemnation of stuff that's been happening in your life. You see, it creates a stone that blocks the place and the flow of intimacy that God wants in our life. You see, these stones were blocking the entrance to places of intimacy that we need so much to nourish our soul and our spirit. See, many believers sit under the law when they said, Lord, I just need to work at this, Lord, let's just work again. I just, we need to, okay, I need to read my Bible now two days, two times a day, and, and then if I haven't prayed three times, Lord, I have to, have to move the stone out just to get to that place of intimacy. I have to work at it, Lord. Just, you see, it's, it's a place of law. But these stones in our lives keep us from the water source. But it's amazing when you read the Bible and you read Jesus, there's always a but. But there's great news for us when you open the book, when you open the Bible. For those of who are struggling with the stone that, that just keeps us from a place of intimacy, there is good news. Let me finish the story before I get there. So Jacob, let's finish the story of David. Jacob was still talking with them when Rachel arrived with, his fa with her father's flock. For she was a shepherd. And because Rachel was the cousin and the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and because the sheep and goats belonged to his uncle Laban, Jacob went over to the well and moved the stone from its mouth and watered his uncle's flock. Now can we be honest with you? When a man sees his bride, things happen. <laughs> we'll do anything. Me, what, what rock do you want me to move? I'll move that thing. I just saw this beauty coming and I'm going to move the stone. Jacob saw his bride. She was extravagantly beautiful, as the word said. But all by himself he moved that stone. The scripture says that the shepherds had to be a couple of them to move this heavy stone. Here Jacob comes alone by himself and he just moved the stone away. Something very prophetically significant for us. 
You see, he served Rachel before anyone else could do it. Everyone else were waiting. Rachel came in last. She was served first. First. And a custom in that days was the male shepherds, there was many female shepherds as well, but the male shepherds was the strongest, they were the strongest, so they were only the only ones capable of moving the heavy stone. So what did they do? They watered their flock first. And then they left it for the women to water their second or last. And then they'll clear, close the, the well. So Jacob came and he turned it around. He turned the things around. Have God, when was the last time God turned around things in your life? When, when, when it was so tough and so heavy and you're so used to standing at the back of the row of receiving. Lord, I'm here at the back, if you can see me. And then God takes you out of the row and He puts you in front. And He said, I'm changing things in your life today. I'm changing things in your life. I'm, I'm shifting the blessing from, from the back to the front. You see, the most undeserving of shepherds was served first. When we have sin or stones in our lives, we don't feel very deserving to receive anything from God. Am I right? When you did something wrong and you know, oh Lord, I sinned, there's condemnation in my life, there's guilt. Do you feel very deserving to receive the greatest blessing from the Father? <laughs> no. You feel guilt. So here's the key for us today. Mark 16. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. We all know that story. See, Jesus came and rolled away the stone. Not even him, the angels did. But he rolled it away so that we can be free from the stones that keep us away from a place of true intimacy with him. And sometimes we sit with the stones in our hands and we're so in love with the stones that keep us away from our intimacy. But God has already sorted it out. Just like Jacob, Jesus came, listen to this, Jesus came to serve his bride. Not just serve her, free them from the law, from works. And he introduced grace. So you don't have to worry about these stones, but I'm going to let my water of life flow through you, over you, under you. He broke the curse of the law so that we can live under grace. When we lay the rocks down and step out and receive His water in place of intimacy, something amazing happens. We become the stone that gives water from the well. We become that stone that gives water from the well. When we let go of the stones that, that keeps us away from intimacy, God flows or nourishes with these living waters so that we become the stone that gives. Look what 1 Peter 2, verse 4 to 5. Sumeri was very prophetic this morning. She didn't know what I was preaching. 
and she read and she sang stuff. But it says, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And look at this. And you are living stones. Living stones that God is building into his spiritual, spiritual temple. What's more, you are priests. And you go on to verse 8 says, you are uh, a holy nation. You are... I mean, God made you a living stone on that well to give water to those who need. We need to make sure that the stones in our lives don't become a stumbling stone, but that we become a stone of blessing. And sometimes we are the stone of blessing because Jesus rolled away the stone. We are free, we are in grace, but we choose to put stones in front of our wells of place of intimacy. And we struggle to give and we can't understand why can't we give more. But in Matthew 28, Jesus commanded the disciples to go and give others what he has given to them. That's my paraphrase. <laughs> He said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, and, and, and I'll be with you forever. He said, go and teach them what I've taught you. Go and give to them what I've given you. You see, this was a command. We have a command to give life. The life we receive is the life we need to give. We're called to give life. When was the last time you gave life to someone in, instead of a prophetic word, a hug, an encouragement? At the places where they are at the most driest moments in their well, when you can come in and encourage them with the water that flows from your well. You see, this world needs living water. Guess what? We have it. <laughs> you have it. You've got living water that you can give to a world that is dried up and hungry and thirst. For God and for more of Him. That's why Jesus said, streams of living water will flow from within you. People around us are hungry and thirst for more of God. We've got the water. Let's give the water. That's why we need to dig that well deeper to broaden our capacity so that we have more to give on a daily basis. Whenever I feel tired and, 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 and dry, I need to go and sit at the well. I need to let that water flow over me. I need to get nourished by the true living water of the Father. Now the prophetic, prophetic significance of a stone in the Bible was truth. It was truth. Why? Because whenever something miraculous in the Bible happened, what did they do? They built an altar with stones. They build a memorial with stones. Why? Because when the next generation come walking by, they've heard the stories of miracles, of good things, of amazing things of their fathers, and they walk by the memorial, and they say, oh, it was the truth. There's the memorial. There's the altar. See, we are living stones that brings truth to the world. Truth to the world. The Word says, it's by the truth that you will be set free. We've got the key and the water for people to be freed, to be set free, to introduce them to Jesus, which is the true water source.
See, that's why it's so massively important to spend time with God in a place of intimacy so that our world can be overflowing with more of Him. We need that. Now, what I didn't mention, I want to finish with this. The night before Jacob came to the well, he had an encounter with God. He laid his head down on a rock, on a stone, and he slept. And he saw angels coming up and down a ladder into heaven with Jesus standing on top. He had a heavenly encounter to such a degree. He must have walked on cloud number nine. Think about it. I mean, I would be psyched up just sawing Jesus in a dream so vivid. So he came up to that well, pumped, filled with more of God. Why do you think he could move a stone only three men could move? He was infused with power. Yeah. He saw a dream. And in that dream was so vivid and so real that he saw God. And then just the next day, he served Rachel. See, when we come to a place of intimacy with God, giving is easier. Mm. Think about it. Try to give out of a place of drought, struggling, but then go and receive something. Have an encounter with God, a power encounter that you've received. I mean, you just have a great time in devotion and you walk out there and you see a need. Is it easier to give? Absolutely. So what is, what is better, to be stay in a dry place with rocks that's keeping the intimacy from God or be in a place where the water of God can nourish and flow over us so that we can give more and it's easier to give. We are created to have an encounter with the Father. We were created to give more than, than, than we can receive. That's why the Word says it's better to give than to receive. Why? Because we receive more from Him. And because we receive from Him, we can just give more. I pray constantly, I said, Lord, make me a channel so that your water can just flow through me to others. You see, sometimes we look up and we look in, but we never look out. We stop it to look in. So we become spiritually obese because we don't give. We need to be nourished with God. We need to be filled up with Him so we can give more. Amen? Amen. Can we pray together? Maybe you want to stand up with me today.